We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, we are talking about a Nets loss to the Celtics, 109-98. How are we doing? No KD, no worries. No KD, some worries. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it, Jack. And obviously, Celtics, one of the best teams in the league, if not the best. And they were without Jalen Brown. Now, Horford, we'll jump into this game and plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, where do you want to start? Do we do the Ben Simmons discussion now, Nick? I think that's probably the the headline takeaway. That's what all the talking heads will be talking about probably tomorrow in in the national media scape. Because look, that first half, you know, I was I had the TNT, you know, uh, broadcast uh, down here in Australia. I'm sure everyone else around the world, I would have loved to see the Yes Network, but unfortunately not available. But 26 minutes for Ben Simmons tonight. We'll get to the good. 13 assists, nine rebounds, two steals, a block, only two turnovers. And we'll get to the bad. Three shot attempts, all misses, zero points. Donuts. How would you surmise this Ben Simmons performance, Nick? And you can maybe break it down into what was a dominant first quarter and probably first half into just a a, a second half where he, he lost any impact. Yeah, I think also point out five fouls as well. You know, maybe that had an impact on his minutes late. I'm unsure Vaughn has gone to line up closing with him and not closing with him. But like you said, Jack, I think this is just really the hot and cold of Ben Simmons. You know, you saw some of the great things he can do, but then also you can see how he limits your offense, especially when you need more scoring and you at times have to play a non-shooter and Nick Claxton and the Celtics being one of the best defenses in the league. I think starting with a good, you mentioned the first half had 10 assists, was playing with a great tempo, playing with a great energy. I thought also did a really nice job on Jason Tatum in this game, just really riding him, making him feel uncomfortable. And, you know, Ben is at his best in transition and on the boards and just doing his thing defensively. But then you saw at times, you know, Luke Cornett is able to defend Ben Simmons because Ben is unable to take any shots other than a layup. And even the layups he take takes are very predictable and just in weird positions he's never attacking the rim with a level of physicality he's kind of fading away and allowing his shots to be contested so just a lot of the good and the bad of ben simmons and that's kind of been this way the entire season we've really yet to see a consistent great stretch or a complete game from ben we had maybe that three or four game stretch in november but since then they're really just been all over the place 
Yeah, and he had seven assists in the first quarter. You know, yeah. it was a, an, and I think a lot of it was due to Sean some beautiful Warren. assists too. Really, had some really nice assists. The one to TJ Warren was incredible. And I think in the third quarter he had a really nice one in transition again. You know, in transition and pushing the pace, Ben Simmons is a, is a weapon, but the basketball predominantly is going to be played in the half court where Ben Simmons is a non-factor where you're going to see guys shade the hell off him. And when Kevin Rand isn't there, it makes the Nets even less dangerous of an offensive team. It means more attention to Kyrie Irving. It means blitzes. It means all those different sort of things. And look, I think that I was alluding to Jacques Vaughn played great lineups around him. Seth, yeah. Joe, Royce, TJ, you know, you two at different times. The spacing allowed Ben to be productive, but Ben can be more productive than even what he was tonight if he just drives the damn ball. Like, just drive, man. Drive and kick out. Drive and kick out. Drive and take a layup. Like, you alluded to, you know, how predictable he is offensively. Like, I'm getting over these righty, like, weird hook shocks that, like, hit the front of the rim. If a guy is above, like, 6'8", or if a guy is, like, less than that, he's going to hit it. Like, it's just, it's not a good offensive possession if that's what's sort of happening. You know, the best offensive possession is something you alluded to, and I think Jacques Vaughn also alluded to, you must have seen your timeline, where Ben is going at a guy and using a sense of physicality. Yeah, Luke Cornett is tall, but, you know, he's nothing in, in, in terms of the strength of physicality that Ben should have. But where his confidence is offensively, you know, Jacques Vaughn also did say that, you know, we don't need him to be more of an offensive sort of, you know, threat, but the Nets do. Like, it's plain and simple. When we discussed on our episode who needs to step up and, you know, we say TJ, we say Seth, Joe, all these guys, you could give all those guys a pass, if not, you know, above a pass mark for what they did tonight. And Ben Simmons in the first half, because those guys were getting the shots that he was creating for them, but at the same time, my guy, you should be able to get 10 points. And, like, it's just shot attempts. I'll bring up the goddamn stat every single time that I can. The Nets are 5-0 and when Ben Simmons takes nine shots or more. He took freaking three, Nick. Three yeah. shots tonight. And he could have had an easy goddamn layup if he didn't get up to Nick Claxton, which turned yeah. into a freaking turnover. That was Trey Young, Matisse Thibel, whatever that play was. You know, trying to re- delete it from my memory now that Ben Simmons is a Brooklyn Net. But... Come on, and that exact you... play, I think we should break that play down because it was a successful play between Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. Ben actually rolled to the rim. Kyrie hits him. And Luke Cornett's shading to Ben's inside shoulder, so he has a chance to finish with his right hand outside, which is what he's been more comfortable with this season, or go up for an attempt and be fouled. Instead, tried to force an incredibly difficult pass, and Nick Claxton ended up being a turnover. That type of play is negatively impacting your offense. Like that is a play that even if you do not make the shot, just the threat of you attempting it is changing the way the defense reacts the next time. It just felt like the Celtics fully leaned into Ben Simmons is not going to be able to score or doesn't want to score in that second half where in the first half they kind of played him like a normal player. Yeah, I think ultimately there's a a Ben Simmons discussion that can happen for a very, very long time. We can have our frustrations. We can acknowledge the good while acknowledging the bad. I think that's what we try to bring some semblance of nuance and balance. But ultimately, he needs to be an offensive factor in some form or fashion, especially when Kevin Durant isn't out there. 
you know, if you're getting the ball in transition, don't just look to throw the go-ahead pass to Seth, Joe, or whatever. Try and get to the rim. Get some free throws. Like, I don't care if you miss them, Ben. I want to, like, you can tell when Ben Simmons is in a complete flow because we've seen it from him this season. I think that's what's more frustrating, Nick, is that we've yep. seen him in a very small sample size. As I alluded to, he's only had five games where he's had nine or more shot attempts. Like, come on, man. Like, you can't have, like, you taking three shots in, a, in an NBA game. It's just, like, it's 24 for Kyrie Irving, 11 for Joe Harris, 18 for TJ Warren, 9 for Seth Curry, 5 for Yuta Watanabe. Yuta Watanabe should never take more shots than Ben Simmons in an NBA basketball game. I love Yuta, and we'll get to him in a little bit. And he didn't even take a lot of shots. It's just Ben Simmons. <laughs> no, and, and then, like, that's just seeing that, for, like, from Yuta Watanabe, I'm like, man, he had five shots. How is that possible? But, like, Ben was just, and like, he just needs to be, just take some shots, man. And, like, missed them. Who cares? Like, it's just he is in his head offensively. And I, I, the frustrations are, are plentiful. And sometimes they take away a semblance of nuanced discussion from yours truly. But the the emotion, the emotionality comes out when speaking about Ben Simmons as well. But, Nick, should we end the Ben Simmons discussion before we move on, I guess, before I get even more heated? Yeah, I just I think the final note, too, is with Ben that's frustrating is a lot of these predictable shots you're talking about. And also we've seen him kind of have a float or have a push shot a couple times early in the season in the preseason. And now that disappeared. It's like incorporate some different things like you have to be a level of offensive threat, especially with Kevin Durant being out. And as we progress to the postseason. But like you said, this is going to be an ongoing discussion, especially why Kevin Durant is you know sidelined with that injury. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, definitely. Nick, who do you think was the Nets' best player tonight? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, sh- Man, that is tough. I would guess I'd probably go with TJ Warren or Nick Claxton would probably be my one or two. I mean, you could argue Joe Harris was in there, but I didn't think yeah, he was yeah. great defensively. And his a lot of his magic came in that first half. But 
I think Claxton probably would be the guy for me because I thought he was the most impactful player, even with the shoulder impingement, which I think impacted him more offensively than defensively because he was contesting everything and had some ridiculous blocks in this game. He had three blocks in in the third quarter and finished the game with, with four of them. Nine points, eight boards, including uh, nine boards, sorry, including one of them offensive. Had a steal, had a block, had a steal as well, had an assist as well. One or two from the free throw line, four or seven from the field. As you alluded to, and I, and I alluded to on my timeline, the maturity to be able to go, okay, this wasn't a great first half for me. And he still had some moments. And then that third quarter, be, you know, a, a key driver to the Nets, you know, maintaining some semblance of of ascendancy and, and sticking into the game. You know, he was just absolutely everywhere defensively. His defensive timing and instincts are, are second to none. And while there's Jaron Jackson, Brooke Lopez, and all these other guys, man, Nick Claxton, it's, you've got to be, in terms of his flexibility, versatility, you know, he's shutting down guys on the perimeter. It doesn't matter who it is. He is just a, a, a dynamo of a defensive player. And you alluded to, you know, the offensive struggles, or maybe not struggles, but there was a play that I loved from him. And I think it came in the the start of the first, where the Nets were really struggling offensively. You know, Clax is essentially, he, he takes the ball on one of those sort of individual drives and finishes through contact. You know, that, that's something that just you know good offensive players do, and it's something that Ben Simmons could learn a thing or yeah. two from. You know, I just we make the Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton comparison points, and some of it might be because Nick Claxton's earning like ten million dollars and Ben Simmons is earning like thirty five million dollars, and you know what is being asked of them. Look, Ben Simmons, I think was pretty good defensively tonight, despite the failing and despite some of that ticky tacky bullshit. Like he'll miss you know the offensive shot and then just like jump over the top of Jason Tatum or whatever it was for a foul. Well, that, that was... yeah, that's a perfect example, Jack. He missed a layup and then he contested for the rebound and got a foul. And he's a guy that already ends up in foul trouble. It's just an emotional mistake. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I But getting back to Nick Claxton, Nick, you know, he's the defensive presence, you know, is the stats show it advanced and just normal you know, metrics. He is an otherworldly defensive presence this season. Like I would have him top five in defensive player of the year, maybe top two, top three. You know, there aren't many guys at the top of my head that have been playing better. And I don't think as a big man had the versatility that he does have. He's incredible. And even, you know, in a game where, you know, you could play him off the court a little bit. I thought the minutes where he, with him and Simmons actually weren't too bad. And I do, do think as well, Jacques Vaughn did a good job of aligning the minutes. Again, listen to probably me and you. Where we, we like to see Clax and Kyrie a lot. I think their pick and roll and screening combination and just, you know, understanding of each other's game is, is pretty positive. But yeah. Clax was easily one of the best players for the Nets tonight, Nick. And I think defensively, when you watch Clax, is the way you look at him when a player scores on him, you're like, wow, that was a tough shot. That was a tough layup. That was a tough finish because you just expect him to block so many shots and contest and expect guys to miss. And the Celtics did a nice shot finishing a couple of times, but he definitely made his presence felt in this game. And like you said, you know, he's been one of the best defenders in the league. And he even did a good job on Jason Tatum tonight. You know, Tatum is a guy in the past that's got him a couple times, especially with that step back three. I thought Clax did a nice job of, you know, being disciplined and understanding where to be. And I think the Nets could look to utilize him a little bit more sometimes on some of these, you know, off-ball actions and get him some more oops or options at the rim just considering what's going on. And you mentioned Claxton and Ben having some good moments. I think one reason they were able to stay on the floor is they were so good defensively together that they got in transition. You know, if they're not getting in transition, then that's going to be more of a struggle. But when they're playing that way defensively, there's going to be some pluses. 
Yeah, the Nets in transition, Nick, plus 7.6, according to Clean the Glass. Off live rebounds, you know, 40.7% of their plays were, were there, which is in the 86th percentile. You know, the fast break points, you know, the Nets did an incredible job. You know, they let me quickly have a 24 to 10, you know, the Nets by plus 14. You know, the Nets were just able to create defense offense uh, uh, quite a few times, and they can do that. And they were able to do that against the Boston Celtics team, which even without Jalen Brown is quite talented you know, on the offensive and defensive ends. And there's been otherworldly uh, for points this season. So it's a credit to them. And, and maybe this game might be an aberration, you know, going against the Thunder, the Suns and, and the Spurs going forward. Maybe we just put this one down. Look, the Nets have a little bit of loss. They're fine. They're still 27 and 14, you know, uh, right up there. You know, halfway in the season, if you had to give me the Nets at 27-14, I uh, would have pretty happily taken that. Obviously, the Boston Celtics are, I think, the league leaders and one of the only teams uh, that are, are playing as well as they have, despite you know having their, their issues. But yeah, I think what we've sort of heard from Jacques Vaughn before the game about how they want the Nets to play in the absence of Kevin Durant is a lot of what we saw tonight, you know, increased three-point frequency and and, and Claxton Ben creating defense offense, getting out in transition, really sort of harping in on that. I, I think that it... It didn't work for the full four quarters, I would say, out of the 48 minutes tonight. It worked for 30, maybe 28 minutes, you know, something like that. And unfortunately, you're going to have to play for closer to 40 minutes to beat a Boston Celtics team, even in the absence of their second best player when we're missing our best player. But yeah, Clax was incredible and Clax and Ben are a dynamic defensive duo. And unfortunately, you probably have Kevin Durant out there as well. You have an incredible defensive trio but you replaced TJ Warren, who I thought was okay um, defensively, but offensively, I thought he was you know tremendous tonight. Yeah, I agree. I think TJ was really good offensively in terms of what you needed him to be. But just one more note on the defense before I forget. I think one of the biggest differences we saw in that second half was the Celtics guards getting into the paint, getting to that elbow area very easily and kind of just working the offense almost slowly and preventing that transition and slowing down the pace of the game. And that's, you know, guys like Kyrie Irving, that's guys like Seth Curry, Joe Harris, you know, not being able to stay in front of their man or just also having trouble with the Jason Tatum actions at the top, you know, be it a pick and pop, a pick and roll, whatever it is. The Nets were kind of caught in between because they didn't want to leave you know, Tatum to be open, which burned them a couple times in that first half. So defensively allowing them to get to those spots, especially when they have bigger guards, was a major issue in that second half for this team. And that was Derek White, Marcus Smart, you know, even Peyton Pritchard Peyton got Pritchard. to work. Yeah. Uh, like Utah Watanabe, who's supposed to be a solid defender, did not have a good game either. But you want to move to TJ Warren, Jack? No, I want to quickly get to TJ Warren after I allude to what you were sort of saying. Points in the paint, Nick. You know, the Boston Celtics 54, the Brooklyn Nets 40. There's a sort of, you, know, you sort of saw the way that the both teams wanted to play and the Nets are going to give up a lot of points in the paint and, you know, maybe lose a rebounding battle pretty heavily like they did tonight at 48 to 32 because of the way that they play defense. And they haven't, they're not going to change that outside of Kevin Durant. They're going to continue to switch and you know, it can lead to good things. It can lead to great things in transition, but it can also lead to, you know, offensive boards and, and, and leaking the ball out. But, TJ Warren, Nick, I thought as soon as he came in, you know, he was the first guy in off the bench uh, for Joe Harris and just immediately makes an impact. He's just has this offensive fluidity. Like he did everything tonight. His floater was there. His three-pointer was there. His midi was there. And I thought defensively he did pretty well tonight as well. And to see it for 28 minutes, you know, I made a prediction of what I thought the minutes load would kind of be. And, you know, I was there or thereabouts uh, for the most part. But 9 of 18 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, had a board, had an assist, also had a block, 20 points on the night. I thought TJ Warren was really positive. And I think 
looking at him individually and for the team overall when you know KD does come back, this could be a blessing in disguise. TJ Warren getting some extra reps under him because come the postseason and you know the Nets are versing a Celtics or a Bucks or whatever, and you know Seth Curry you know might get attacked relentlessly. Take him out and you throw your TJ Warren out there. Maybe the Nets make an upgrade as we heard from Woj you know a couple of days ago, sort of saying that the Nets are looking to make upgrades to their front court. So, look, this was a great sign from TJ Warren individually. Yes, he was minus 12 on the night, but I think, you know, both teams went on in different individual runs with different combinations of players. I still think that he was one of the two or three best players tonight for the Nets. Yeah, I think he just replaced some of that ISO scoring we lost with Kevin Durant, obviously not to the same level, but was able to take advantage of some mismatches. The only play that really frustrated me in this game for TJ Warren was when he had a layup at the rim and he kind of laid it out in front for Derek White to block it instead of going up strong, where he probably could have got an and one in that situation. Not the end. Probably still doesn't have the confidence in his body a heap to yeah. make those sort of plays consistently in it, especially probably like. This was the highest Minnesota we got from TJ Warren tonight, and obviously that was still in the third quarter. We was probably at the the sort of mark, but we can throw. I, I agree with that, but I also do think that Derek White is a great defensive guard and made just a, a great defensive play at the same time. So I think TJ almost thought that he wasn't going to get there instead of just kind of you know being a little bit more disciplined. Thought he had the easy kind of finger roll layup instead of just you know holding it up tight and then wrapping it around and trying to get in there. But overall, like we like you mentioned, Jack, we saw that mid range, we saw that push floater shot from the free throw line. I think at times I would even like to see him touch the ball more when, especially Kyle. Kyrie, uh, Kyrie and Ben both went on the floor and it was a little bit too much Seth trying to do things. You know, I think that's where TJ could get touches or you could try to generate him a mismatch in the paint. And I think they did it against Peyton Pritchard uh, and forced a double team. You know, that's just something that the Nets could create an advantage with. Yeah, I think just TJ's a better offensive player than Seth Curry. And because he's five, six inches, seven inches, eight inches taller than, than Seth, it just creates advantages that Seth can't create for himself. He's probably got a better handle than um, Seth Curry does, and he's probably a, a better three-point shooter, but he wasn't tonight. Um, and Seth was, you know, hit and miss tonight. But I think we should get to Kyrie Irving, Nick. You know, 38 minutes for him tonight. 9 of 24 from the field, 3 of 11 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line. That number could have been a lot higher. Two boards, six assists, a steal, a block, uh, two turnovers. was minus 11 for his 24 points. He seems to struggle other than, you know, that game one performance last year in, in the uh, at the playoffs against the Boston Celtics. Seems to have his struggles against the Boston Celtics. I think they match up quite well when you've got a Marcus Smart, Derek White, these sort of really high-level defensive guards and, and guys that can switch onto him like a, a Robert Williams. It was interesting because I thought in the first half he was quite positive. It's sort of like Kyrie Irving rode the coattails, the negative coattails of how the Nets you know, performed subpar in the second half. And in that fourth quarter, we had a chat off wax. You know, He was sort of the Kyrie that I've sort of had my uh, misgivings about in terms of his shot selection, trying to do a little bit too much hero ball rather than that flow. But the Nets couldn't really create a lot of offense uh, in general in that fourth quarter. You know, They only scored 16 points. So uh, what did you think of Kyrie Irving's game, Nick? Yeah, I thought he played within the team and the offense and was nice in that first half. And then the second half when the Nets started to struggle, as you mentioned, tried to take over for some bad threes, for some bad shots, as you mentioned, too. Probably could have got a couple more free throws, but he really just was locked in on the rim instead of trying to run the offense. And I think at times that's what hurt him when Ben Simmons wasn't on the floor. 
know, as much as we gave, you know, Ben issue for not scoring, I thought he did a nice job running the offense. And that's where Kyrie at times can just be a little bit too focused. And it felt like he got a little emotional in this game in terms of, you know, wanting to beat the Celtics and, you know, the Celtics players really riding him down the court, Marcus Smart, Derek White, whoever it is. And we're going to need just a better version of Kyrie Irving if the Nets are going to be successful in the stretch without Kevin Durant. And I think it's more about being that overall star that makes your teammates better rather than, you know, have a 30 point game. And look, I, I, a lot of people are, are going in hard on Kyrie after his performance tonight. I thought that, yeah, he was below par, but I don't think he was as bad as a lot of people do think. And I, think I think he because, was just bad in the fourth quarter, really. Yeah, I, I, and look, he's normally been the king of the fourth, you know, yeah. is the, the new nickname for him, you know, one of the scoring leaders. But you, know, you compare this, Nick, I, I'm always taking screenshots of the box score and, and the team stats after the first half. Four of eight from the field in the first half, which means that he was five of 16 in the second half. He was also three of five from three uh, in the first half, and he was three of 11 overall, which means he's missed his last six threes, three-point attempts. So, look, stats can tell a story. Stats can be part of the story. I just thought that, that was interesting and, and worth pointing out. I think also it's important to point out that I think Kyrie is very fatigued every time he plays the Celtics. They do a good job of being physical with him and just he looks tired and he doesn't have the same lift. And then he's you know short on some of his shots or just shots that he typically is swishing all the time are off. And I think that plays a factor. And that's just credit to the Boston Celtics. But also, I think. That's where the Nets need to look to run maybe more team basketball, run more sets, you know, be it set up Joe Harris for maybe a couple more threes in this game, have Seth Curry, you know, coming off screens for threes. Think too much of it. The offense got stagnant. And that's going to happen when you face a great defense. But I think the Nets didn't do a good job like trying to counter that, you know, trying to just fight through what the Celtics, they kind of allowed the Celtics to force them to play this way. Yeah, I think there needs to be a bit more offensive creativity, as you alluded yep. to. Your know, transition plays, fast break, all that sort of thing is wonderful, but it's not going to win you basketball games uh, for extended periods. You know, the Toronto Raptors, uh, you know, that's essentially how they do a lot of their <laughs> offense, and they've been performing you know, subpar as well. I think the physicality of the Boston Celtics, they get away with a lot. Marcus Smart you know, has a, a, a reputation which allows him to get away with a lot. Derek White gets away with a little bit more. You know, The physicality that they throw at, at Kyrie, it just it makes it harder for him, you know, and that's what you do to the superstars. They can still put up 25, 24 points or whatever, but what is the efficiency? And the Nets did a good job of that to Jason Tatum. It's just that outside of, you know, our supposedly second best player couldn't play as well as, you know, the the, the collective. I thought Marcus Smart was probably the second best player for the Celtics tonight. And our second best player, who's supposed to be Ben Simmons, you know, took three shot attempts. So I think... And I, I, Kyrie was, you know, the four, five out of ten, and could have easily, if we been a been a seven out of ten, if he had a bit more flow and offensive, you know, just smoothness and consistency. But I don't think it was all on him. I think some of it was on him. And you know, we move on to the next one. Just you know, if you have Katie out there and, and the Nets are healthy, maybe you make an upgrade, get a, a another offensive wing to create a little bit more, and you can't attack him because it just means that he can be attacked on both ends because when he's fatigued, he's not going to be as good offensively. He's not going to be as good defensively. So uh, not the worst game in the world from Kyrie Irving, but also certainly not the best either. Yeah, it's going to be an adjustment uh, having the defense focus on you a little bit more, and that's going to be on other guys kind of stepping up and calling for the ball and making plays and some of that's Ben Simmons, as we talked about in that role earlier in the game. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but let's talk Joe Harris, who had a bounce back game in the starting lineup today, as we predicted on the previous podcast. 18 points, 7-11 from the field, 4-7 from three, five rebounds, one assist, had two steals. 
And Joe had some really nice momentum to start this game. No, definitely. I think the only thing that Joe did poorly tonight was probably his defense. You know, I, I think that the Boston Late rotations. Celtics... Yeah, the Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, three of the best teams in the Eastern Conference are teams that sort of can attack Joe a little bit. And when you have Kim and Rand out and you have Seth Curry playing extended minutes, it means that Joe's going to be attacked a little bit more. He gives away, you know, some ticky-tacky fouls uh, every now and then. But on the good, Joe's three-pointer, the three-pointer was right there. You know, Ben was feeding him. You know, he was getting some nice, you know, uh, little dinky shots here and there, some layups and some drives. Uh, I just thought that, you know, the offensive flow and... You know, we, we've spoken about, you know, the stats reflect that you brought that up on, on previous episode that Joe as a starter is just going to be better. I think he should continue to start, but you keep this sort of minute load in a similar fashion to him and TJ Warren. You know, give both of those guys 25 to 30 minutes. You know, if Utah is hot from three and getting some open shots, maybe you give him a little bit more, but he wasn't great tonight and was probably one of the, the Nets' poorer players. But good to see a bounce back from Joe. Did rebound the ball uh, well also. But, you know, we spoke about the defense and the five fouls from, from Ben from Ben Simmons, Joe Harris also had five fouls himself. And like you mentioned, Jack, some of those are ticky tacky fouls. And I think this was a season high 18 points for uh, Joe Harris. So that's good. And I think you have to look at running plays for him sometimes because of where the offense is going to be at given Kevin Durant being out. And I think if he's knocking down those shots, he had some nice lift on his three. Even as you mentioned, you know, in that first quarter, we saw him drive to the rim, finish a layup. And it's going to be important for the Nets to just find other areas to score and get some easy buckets. And he just needs to really... He's been late on his defensive rotations for the last couple games, and he does this thing where instead of just taking the L on the play, he tries to correct it in fouls and ends up giving up an and one. And that's just, you have to be disciplined in that situation. Yeah, tries to get a, like his fouls aren't hard enough or he's trying to get a steal. Like yeah. you know, he had a couple steals tonight. It's just, you have to you know make the right play and he didn't make the right play enough defensively tonight, but he certainly did offensively. Yeah, and I think even defensively, just commit. If you're going to foul, foul them so they don't put the shot up it's not like you're a super weak dude or anything like that you can make sure that the, at least they have to finish a hard attempt sometimes it just seems like it's just like a little swipe but uh I, who do you want to go to next i think we go to royce we finished off with the the rest of the starters 38 38 minutes for him tonight you know i was six I'm wanting a lesser Royce O'Neal load, but it's just not going to happen. Three of eight from the field, two of five from three. He had all three of his free throws, had six boards, including two offensive, two assists, two steals, two blocks. I thought his defense on Jason Tatum in the second half, I, I thought was tremendous. You know, when Ben Simmons was in foul trouble, I thought he did a, a, a lot to make things really tough for Jason Tatum. Uh, and I think that despite the this box score not looking amazing, you know, doing a, a little things here and there, I thought Royce O'Neal was a net positive. Yeah, this was substantially better than his previous matchup against the Celtics, where he couldn't knock down a shot and he couldn't stay in front of anyone. And as you mentioned, defensively, was frustrating Jason Tatum. Similar to what the Nets were, uh, Kyrie Irving was dealing with on the other side, you know, Royce O'Neal and Ben Simmons were doing that to Tatum. And Royce just did a really good job of making him earn every inch on the floor. I think he forced at least one turnover, if not two, forced him into some bad shots. You know, Tatum settled for some deep threes that he airballed tonight, and that's credit to the Nets' defense. And I think I'll take this type of game from Royce all the time. You know, two of five, 40% from three, uh, had an impact in a little bit of everywhere. And as you mentioned, maybe cut the minutes down to... 30 or 32, but obviously with Kevin Durant out, someone else is going to get a larger minute load. 
Yeah, and obviously with Utah not performing great, TJ Warren's still you know looking yep. to play consistent minutes above twenty five. Seth, you can't really give it you know an extent like the the rotation is slim. Foul with, trouble with, for Ben, so foul, yeah, it, it's going to be harder. But you know maybe there is a luxury of being able to do that in in some of the games going forward. But we'll get to the bench, Nick, outside of TJ Warren, Utah Watsonabe, and Seth Curry. You can't really discuss Edmund something. Only really had two minutes, uh, but Utah Watsonabe was two of five from the field, one of three from three. Did have an assist. Was Minus 16, though, in his 21 minutes for five points. Seth Curry, 25 minutes for a nine from the field. Only one of three from three. Did hit both his free throws. Had an assist. Uh, did have a couple turnovers, though, and was minus six for his 11 points in 25 minutes. I I thought that Utah made some okay plays, but I think that we saw the good and the bad of Utah. And a lot of the time when he's been at his best this year, this this season as a Brooklyn, there he's been super steady. I don't think his steadiness uh, was there tonight. And you know maybe that's a worrying sign against the Boston Celtics. I don't necessarily buy into that. I think that he was he's like the the straight line drive. Uh, you know where he got thrown off the the three point line, you know, because of the defense. You know, he does that so well and finds a player off his drives. That's just a really heady play. Yeah. I just think that it was more of his defense, which, you know, when Jason Tatum got him on the switch, he's like, okay, I can get this one. And when you lose Kevin Durant again, it, not to harp on it, but it's it's just a fact and and the reality of the situation. I still think Utah can be a positive for the Nets going forward, even without Kevin Durant. I just think that his defensive IQ tonight was. A, a bit waning and Seth obviously is not a good defensive player and did enough offensively in this in the first half but you know, the, the the Celtics were able to lock him down a little bit in the second half and he can just be he's barbecue chicken on on the defensive end it's simple as that yeah I'll start with Seth if he's not cooking it's hard to keep him on the floor because he's so bad defensively you know everybody is beating him not one person on the Celtics really had a struggle. You know, Peyton Pritchard cooked him in the corner on a, a pump fake three and got to the rim. Uh, and I think Seth had all of his 11 points in the first half. I don't recall him scoring in the second half. You could double check that, Jack. If he did score, I think maybe it was one bucket. And it's it's going to be kind of that balance. And also, I think if you ask him to too, do too much offensively, he t- typically takes some bad shots. You know, he'll settle for some contested mid-range jumpers, and that's just going to be tough offense if you're not Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, and even that was tough for Kyrie tonight against this defense. But moving to Utah, uh, there's just defensively, physically, he lacks a little bit of strength. I think he can get moved a little bit off of his spots. And as you mentioned, you know, rotation-wise, a little out of place. There was a play in this game where Malcolm Brogdon hit a big three, I want to say, in the third quarter in transition. And Utah's just kind of backpedaling into the play, and no one's behind him. And it's like, pick up ball. And I think that's a time where he just needs to communicate, get a little bit more comfortable. And as you said, with Kevin Durant being out, everyone's going to play lesser. I think Utah plays really well next to KD. And I just kind of think about it as like 2K ratings. You know, everyone's at a certain rating. And then when Kevin Durant comes out, minus 2, minus 3, minus 4 for the entire team. And that's, that's where we're at right now until these guys can step up and someone else can make their life easier. Yeah, and look, I, I, it's not to say that, but despite the fact that you two and Seth were two of the worst players for the Nets tonight, that they can't bounce back, you know, against OKC and San Antonio and the Phoenix and and make a a big game of it because they are, you know, talented offensive players. And you know, Utah can can do his thing a little bit defensively, and I think as a rebounder as well, it, it can be positive too. You know, I think that you know some of his cutting wasn't utilized as well tonight. And I think you know you can run some plays, you know, with him and Ben have a little bit of two man game action with those sort of guys because I think he's got really good cutting instincts but yeah I think that 
overall, you know, and, and by the way, Nick, just to harp on what you alluded to earlier, Seth didn't hit a shot in, in the second half, was four of six from the field uh, and missed all three of his shots in the second half. But look, this wasn't the worst game in the world. It sucks that we weren't able to get one back against the Boston Celtics. I know that you, especially when we were chatting a little bit before the game, were a, a bit more optimistic, especially in the absence of Jalen Brown. But I don't think that this really you know sways me into thinking that the Nets can't beat the Celtics. I think that both performances and probably this one more so fills me with a little bit of optimism. I think the Nets can. And it does also mean that I think that the Nets need to make some semblance of upgrade to their rotation. Who, Which guys could that be? You know, check out the, the, the two trade episodes we've done on the Brooklyn Buzz. We've really dived deep into that. And hopefully, you know, in the coming days, weeks, and, you know, month, we see an upgrade to the rotation. We see Kevin Durant back and the Nets getting back to some winning ways. But this game just was a little bit frustrating. Yeah, it was a frustrating game. First game without Kevin Durant, you're going to feel some of the issues and some of the hiccups. And I think offensively you felt that. And then obviously defensively, Katie's been awesome this season. So it's trying to fill in those blanks. And I think the margin for error is just going to be you know smaller now because you're missing arguably the best player in basketball. And guys are just going to have to be better. I think the one thing that just sticks out a little bit in this game is just like more creation. You know, who's going to step up if, you know, Ben's not going to be that scorer. Who's going to be able to score on their own other than Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, not his strong suit. TJ Warren can do that a little bit, but the Nets need to kind of feed him a little bit. Will Cam Thomas potentially get a shot or is it going to be a trade as you mentioned? So there's some different adjustments for Jock Vaughn to make. It's also hard, you know, missing your best player going against the best team in the league who went to the finals last year and has already established championship habits in which the Nets are trying to do themselves yes look there's a, a, some issues i don't think any of them are, are fatal in terms of the Nets' chances of being a contender because the fact that kevin around is it's not a serious injury you know the the thing that worries me most is the the ben simmons conundrum but you know i could very easily see him against the okc having putting up 10 shots and hitting all 10 of them but for me, you know, I'm not going to forget how poorly he plays against these sort of teams because against the Bucks, like when we saw like a, a really positive sort of performance. So it's against teams that I think are going to matter where I'm going to have a spotlight on, on Ben Simmons a little bit more. And while defensively on Jason Tatum, he was okay tonight and his assist numbers were through the roof and his rebounding was really good too. You know, so the athletic pop was there. It's just, it's a mentality. It's a driving mentality. It's an aggressive mentality. Like, right on your shoes or right on your wrist. You know, when I used to do a little bit of pickup or, or play some Aussie rules, I'd write like in my head, like I had like things that I wanted to remember or right on my wrist, drive or like, you know, jump, rebound, board, board, board. Uh, I think Ben can be better and, and I hope he is against OKC and against some of the better teams we face and, you know, we're versing the Sixers pretty soon. But things aren't all doom and gloom in, in Nets land. The Nets are still in a decent enough spot. Yeah, I mean, they were leading at different points in this game, and it was kind of back and forth for essentially three quarters until the Celtics pulled away in that fourth quarter. And we mentioned, you know, a lot of things just went bad offensively and allowed the Celtics to really settle down offensively. But overall, you're not super disappointed with the game. You know, a couple improvements from Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, and we're talking about a win. Yeah, your two best players. But hopefully we get a win against OKC, Nick. 100%. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.